Welcome to the Gone Trippin' Podcast. I'm Ren. And I'm Ashley. And we're your hosts for today's podcast. Expect some tangents. You're along for the ride as we interview valued people in the travel industry. From photographers to vagabonds and everything in between. Let us help you make every trip an adventure. Reading the road signs, gone trippin'. One playlist at a time. Gone trippin', odometer's tickin'. My Mountain Dew and Rebel sippin'. I'm a road warrior on a mission You won't find me just sitting home wishing Cause I am gone tripping This episode is brought to you by Audible. I'm currently digging a series called The Neverwood Chronicles. It is a modern day retelling of Peter Pan and Wendy and their adventures. It's a little bit of fantasy with a touch of thriller, but it's young adult and really clean. It'd be an awesome book to listen to on a road trip. I just finished listening to the second book. The first one was Lost Girl. The second one is Lost Boy. Although I will warn you, the third book is not on Audible yet. So you got to find it in hard copy and it's called Lost Shadow. The series is The Neverwood Chronicles by Shanda Han, and I will link to it on our website. It's that time. Drink of the day. Because every road trip starts with a drink. Today's drink of the day is Reading Draft, Grapefruit Citrus. Wait, how do you know it's Reading Draft and not Reading Draft? Um, I think it's because um, it's from Reading, Pennsylvania. I feel like we need like a local. So, this is like Tillamook cheese, where if you didn't know it was Tillamook, Tillamook you, you'd think it was Tillamook. Yeah. Which when I went to Tillamook Cheese Factor, I actually asked one of the workers, and I said, how do you pronounce your company? And it's Tillamook. Yeah, so it it's either Reading Draft or Reading Draft. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. So I can't remember if it's Reading or Reading, Pennsylvania, but it's- Some Pennsylvania is calling, let us know. Yeah. So uh, handcrafted since 1921. We actually did a root beer of theirs before, and it was- it was decent. Not as good as some of my other root beers that I like, but... Uh, this one's grapefruit citrus. Is, I'm excited. Yeah, grapefruit citrus. I'm a huge grapefruit fan and citrus fan, so... You know, I don't like grapefruit, but I do like grapefruit... Like flavors. Yeah. Yeah. It's it does, Usually the like grapefruit sodas and grapefruit candies and stuff, they don't have the bitterness of grapefruit, the fruit. This is so. a premium reserve soda with pure cane sugar. <sighs> I mean, let's see if you can open yours for any day. Did I get another host? I got to open theirs for him. I did. All right. So you know, I was holding time. a mic in one hand. <laughs> next time, I feel like I'm a little handicapped. Oh, oh you can't <laughs> open it either. This one, I specifically got, asked yours for a bottle dropped. opener. Oh, there we go. I got it. He had to use it. his shirt. People don't let him think that. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's yeah, see that how one this tastes. Gotten banged up a little bit. So here we go. She hates when I drink into the microphone. All right. I think it's gross. Sorry, listeners. Oh, you think the soda's gross? No, I think you <laughs> drinking in the microphone is gross. The soda's really good. <laughs> yes, it is. That is really tasty. I like that a lot. Yeah, oh. it's very nice. It's very mild. This is this is delicious. It has a flavor. Um, it's it's sweet too. It's um, it's very sweet. Sometimes you get grapefruit that, uh, like squirt, is a grapefruit soda. Did yeah, you know but, that? Oh, I do know that. That's what Squirt's whole marketing is. Is yes. their grapefruit soda? <laughs> I don't know how you drink yeah. squirt and not know it's grapefruit, but I don't I've met choose people. to drink squirt. I've met people. But uh, yeah, it's actually a little sweeter than uh, that like squirt. But uh, yeah, it's tasty. Right? It is tasty. So you get it again? So this is from, I would get it again. So this is from Reading, Pennsylvania. And our guest today is actually also from close by in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Mercersburg. Mercersburg. Let's get on to our guest. All right. Welcome to the Gontrapin Podcast again. 
episode number 40. 40. Dang. We're moving along. We are moving along. <laughs> we have today as our guest, Sarah Donahoe from Long Acres Alpaca Farm. How are you, Sarah? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. <laughs> we, we found you, Sarah, um, by my wife and I stopping at an information, uh, what do you call it? Visitor Center. Visitor Center. Yeah, thank you. Visitor mm-hmm. Center. Um for Pennsylvania and we just started going and grabbing all sorts of pamphlets and my wife found yours uh we got kids Mm -hmm. and you got alpacas Mm -hmm. and lots of Mm -hmm. opportunities for families to come and hang out at an alpaca farm well and I think that's the part that we've missed so far is why I'm so excited about this is because not only do you breed alpacas you teach people how to do that and allow people to stay there oh absolutely yes yes that's uh that is what we do is we absolutely encourage people to come and stay at our guest house and actually experience. You know, a lot of times people ask us, can you bring a couple alpacas to our event? And I'll hesitate. I used to do that, but I'll hesitate and say, you know, if you really want the full taste of it, you need to come to the farm and see them where they are because you lose a lot taking alpacas away from their environment and taking them to some event where they're in a small fenced-in area. So uh, coming here and staying at our guest house, it's our farm is very long, and it's so what happens is the guest house is, is quite it's, it's secluded, really. You, it's a half a mile from our, rank, from our home, and you are surrounded by your own little herd of alpacas. So it's a great way to just come and enjoy being in the area and not leaving. And it, and it's a lot of people do that. They just come and they just stay the weekend and they don't leave. They just enjoy. <laughs> That's so. awesome. Exactly. Well, so let's go ahead and get started with your background first, because there's a couple of things that got me excited about your background. I got some personal stuff that might uh, relate to what you guys did. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, first off, uh, this is the part I don't have any correlation with you guys. Uh, your husband, um, is a mm-hmm. cardiologist and you are mm-hmm. a retired nurse practitioner. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so how did you get into alpaca farming? Oh, that's interesting. So, uh, we both grew up in this area and we looked forever for, just 10 to 15 acres. We wanted to raise the infamous something. We had no idea what we wanted to raise. Um, I was into horses, which my husband was into bench rest shooting. And we thought, well, we would have a little horse community. And um, then I realized, well, he doesn't really like horses the way I do. We need to find something that we both enjoy. And I went to a um, holiday event one year is a Christmas uh, flea market type of thing and they were selling alpaca hats scarves gloves and I said well what's an alpaca and they showed me some pictures and <laughs> two months later I swear we had alpacas investigate it a little bit further because we jumped right in <laughs> well so well and before but, you decided on the alpacas you you went ahead and bought a farm right in 2002 we did. Yes, we finally bought the farm, which, uh, well, you should not say, because, you know, what that term used to be was uh, buy the farm back in the old days. Yeah, but right. we did. We <laughs> finally, yeah, we finally bought the farm, so to speak, and we lived here for several years and, and rented it out to various farmers till we decided what we wanted to, to have. But, um, yeah, so it was... Um, 
you know, it's not like we moved that far away, but uh, our we live close to a buffalo farm up the road. This is kind of a funny story. <laughs> and um, our friends would drive out and they drive past the buffalo. And our home is west of where we used to live. And they would say, oh, how far west? Did you move them down <laughs> they passed the <laughs> buffalo on the way up? So, yeah, but um, it's it's uh, it's a move we both absolutely will never regret. We feel like we've lived here forever. So that's awesome. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's pretty amazing place. Pretty amazing tale. Well, so so you got a hundred and thirty yeah. acre farm, and this is the part where we can correlate a little bit. So uh, mm-hmm. from your website, you guys named your farm in reference to Green Acres, the TV show. Correct. Yes. Okay. So I actually have a nickname uh, that uh, when I was a baby, they called me Arnold uh, for a long time. Oh. And, uh, yes. and and I tell people that all the time. Like they're like, oh, what, what's your nickname? And I'm like, oh, well, I used to call me Arnold when I was a kid. Occasionally, my you know my mom or my sisters will bring it up, mm-hmm. but they called me mm-hmm. Arnold because I drank a bottle so quickly I was a pig. And Green Acres mm-hmm. was really big, you know, the reruns in the mm-hmm. 80s. So um, mm-hmm. I have yeah. to say I'm too young for this. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen are. Green Acres. That makes me oh, feel good that I feel young. Oh, <laughs> no, never. The theme song, well. Green Acres is the place to be. I don't know all the rest of it, but it's <laughs> that kind of tune. It's great. It's, it's right up there with well, Mr. Ed. <laughs> and if you come here, you'll realize why we call it long acres is because our farm is over a mile long and that's how long our lane is as well so and then we thought well you know we're not that far removed from green acres in a lot of ways even though we grew up in this area (laughs) uh, you know that kind of learning doesn't happen by osmosis so there's still a learning (laughs) curve when you move to the farm so that's awesome but uh yeah so it became long acres instead of green acres but Pretty, well, it's uh, a great, pretty similar in some ways. It's a great show, so I'll have to show my wife sometime. Uh, I, you know, nowadays you can find those shows anywhere, but uh, I'll have to mm-hmm. introduce her to that. But yeah, so Long Acres, <laughs> great name. Um, mm-hmm. So then you started, mm-hmm. you decided on the alpacas. Um, and mm-hmm. how many alpacas do you have there currently? Do we're talking like we have six alpacas or six hundred? Well, we are we are between 100 and 130 at right now, and that's a great number for us to keep it at. That's where we try and keep it at uh-huh. uh, is about that number. Yeah, so 100 to 130 is a good working number for us. And I got sucked in. Our, I, I've been really excited about this interview because I got sucked into your website, and I saw that there's a lot of educational materials there, and one of it is about, like, there's different breeds of alpacas, and, and, and you guys mm-hmm. keep specific breeds. Is that right? Yes, but there's there's actually only two breeds of alpacas compared to the sheep industry. Most people just think of sheep as sheep, but really there's 230 plus breeds of sheep, and then there's crossbreeding. <laughs> Whereas with alpacas, there's only two two breeds of uh, alpacas. So 80% of the alpacas in the world are what we raise, and that would be Wakaya, that's spelled with an H, uh-huh. and the other 20% are the Surrey alpacas. They're very, they're exactly the same except for their fleeces, so uh, you raise them the same way. Oh, okay. interesting. So, so what's the difference Wakaya. between their, yeah. what's the difference in their fleeces? So their fleeces uh, in the manufacture is the real difference. The, the Wakaya fleeces uh, if you look at them, that's what you generally see on all the ads. They're the ones that are more fluffy, like a teddy bear. And they tend to hold a little bit better structure when you go to make garments. Okay. Uh, whereas the uh, Surrey 
is a, a more of the dreadlocky look. So mm. they hang down along the side of the animal. Yeah. And um, so they're more of a drapey fleece with a lot of brightness to them. So and um, so, so they, they make up differently in the manufacturing process. Gotcha. It's really the difference. Okay. okay. Yeah. And now yeah. I have a stupid question. <laughs> These are my favorite. So one of my children's favorite books is Llama Llama Red Pajama. And a long, long time sure. ago, we were at a drive through zoo. And I told my my oldest, I said, hey, look, there's a llama. and Or I said, there's a alpaca. I named some animal. And she just looked at me and she said, no, that's a goat. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. She was like two at the time, but she was very definitive. Like, you have the wrong animal. What is the difference between right. a llama and an alpaca? Uh, very little, if anything. So it, to break it down a little bit, they are all in the camelid family. Okay. So the modern day camelid family is made up of technically five different uh, species, the camels, which are the largest, and there's two types of camels. And uh, the, uh, the next down would be the llamas. Uh-huh. And the next down from that would be what's called a guanaco. We don't have guanacos per se in this country, the more in South America. They're like the wild version of the llamas. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the next one down in size would be the alpacas. And so there's two species of alpacas. There's the wakaya and the surrey. And then the next species would be the, um, the cunha, which is considered the wild version of the alpacas because there are no wild alpacas or llamas anywhere in the world so they're all domesticated they're one of the oldest domesticated animals uh anywhere in the world so yeah so the guanacos and the and the vicuñas would be considered and i use quotes with that uh the wild version because they're technically not wild either (laughs) they're domesticated but not in the same respect yeah so i i grew up uh in downtown Boise, Idaho, uh, on a acre, um, inside of town. So mm-hmm. we had a couple of pastures, uh, we had our pasture and a couple of pastures next to us. And, um, we actually had a, our neighbor all of a sudden one day got a couple of llamas. Um, and, mm-hmm. um, so I, with, with camels, you know, the, you said they're from the camelid group. Camels are known to be very, uh, uh, ornery at times. They spit a they lot. Spit. That's all I know about camels. They spit. Uh, the llamas. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. 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 The, very nice way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Llama. The llamas that were next door to us. Uh, you know, we try to go and like pet them and stuff, and they would spit on us like crazy. So, mm-hmm. I, 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 I imagine. I didn't know llamas spit. Oh, That's they do. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. alpacas. That was one of the things we actually were at a nativity, a live nativity, uh, this cr- last Christmas, mm-hmm. and. We noticed uh, they had an alpaca there that was just sitting there doing nothing. You could go pet it and stuff. But I was like, okay, kids, mm-hmm. don't stand in front of them because I was afraid that it would spit. So what's <laughs> was right. I right in saying right. that? <laughs> so the, the spitting is, is uh, the purpose of the spitting is twofold. It's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so camels are the largest of them and then followed by the llamas. And, and actually the llamas are used to protect herds. So if you go to a sheep farm out west or something like that, or even an alpaca farm anywhere, you'll find there might be a llama in with them. And they are amazing protectors. If you put a llama in with a flock of sheep or goats or alpacas, you'll find that your predatory um, rate, uh, your predatory rate of uh, coming into the herd goes to zero. There's just 
they just it just doesn't exist. So they'll use a spit first, obviously, but they're 350 to 550 pounds, and they will kill an animal easily, a coyote or anything, um, generally by stomping it to death. So a llama is llama, going to be more <laughs> aggressive, and the camel is even more aggressive than that. So. Yeah, it's the opposite of short man syndrome, where the smaller they get, the more tame they are. Yeah, the bigger, the more ornery. Well, yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of how they've evolved, and that's been kind of their role. The other interesting thing about the spitting is that alpacas will spit, but when they spit, it's because of a male coming over to them when they've already been bred and they're pregnant. Oh, so we actually use that to find out if they're pregnant. Oh. And um, so most of the time they don't spit. They just throw up a warning shot, like, don't come near me. <laughs> so kind of picture the woman who's very hormonal and she's like, not tonight, honey. Yeah, That's the same with alpacas. that explains they're all the spinning like, she no, did last don't, summer. Don't come near me. I'm, I'm very happy over here. And just, she throws her head up like move away and so most of the time they don't spit at the mail but having said that i have a couple girls that would run the entire way across a field just to spit on a male once they're pregnant yeah they would do that that is hilarious (laughs) but generally they don't spit uh certainly not like a llama and definitely not like a camel so that's awesome yeah so you guys so you guys Mm -hmm. did this and got into it really big to where you you got your first set of cryas Mm -hmm. is that correct the group of cryas which is yeah we we call them cryas correct yeah in 2007 and then 2008 uh your first opportunity to show and you actually bred your first homegrown champion we did yes yeah so we like i said we jumped in feet and head first yeah. we just <laughs> cannonballed into <laughs> learning <it. laughs> on the fly is what it's called so uh we did uh, and our, actually our business plan has kind of evolved over the years which i guess a business plan should do that anyways it's yeah. not to stay you know uh static and with that and with that learning curve that took place um you know we we've changed what it is that we've been doing and 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 that sort of way but we did grow fairly quickly we we had at least a five to six year span where we did all closed breeding, meaning we didn't go outside of our herd. We we focused on improving our own herd because we, in the alpaca business, this is kind of interesting, but in the alpaca business, the fiber can be improved probably infinitely in certain aspects. So you're always trying to improve how the the fiber is in terms of fineness or, you know, length up to a point or, you know, the handle of it or how much you get off of an animal. So there's a lot of variables you can improve. And we know, this is an interesting story, um, we know that alpacas at one time were a much better quality fiber animal than they are today because they've done a lot of archaeological digs. Uh, mm-hmm. going back four and 5,000 years, and they've found that the alpacas were mummified mm-hmm. along with the kings and queens, and their fiber at that point was of much higher quality than what we have today. So um, through the course of history, the fiber has changed, and as breeders, uh, we can get pretty scientific in what we're doing and uh, really take a look at that fiber and really try and improve it. And you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So I imagine that the fibers have to do with a lot of the food that you feed the animals. It does. So there's always a genetic potential, which um, 
we actually can biopsy the skin and find out what the genetic potential is. But yes, you're absolutely right. So much of it could be environmental. And by environmental, I'm talking mostly uh, their health and whether, what they eat. Gotcha. Uh, not so much the weather. But uh, yeah, so alpacas, yeah, they can, um, if you think about your own hair, I mean, your own hair changes according to your health. And right. it's no different with these guys uh, that, you know, they're, they're producing a fiber and it changes by how healthy they are and how consistent their diet is and whether it's a good diet. And, um, and believe it or not, if you overfeed them, you can actually make it worse too. So there's a, there's a line where you want to keep. They're pretty, they're pretty easy to keep um, if you just follow a couple of basic rules. Um, and for and, those uh, who aren't super familiar with llama, or excuse me, not llama, I'm stuck on alpaca. llama. For those who are not <laughs> familiar with alpaca um, hides and, and how they feel, what would you relate them to? How how soft texture are they? Wise. Yeah, texture wise, like what is what are they closest to? Oh, good question. Um, so I would have to say, gosh, their their fiber is so soft. Um, Cashmere say, would be a good a good analogy. Okay. Merino sheep wool uh, okay. would be a good analogy. They're very, very soft. Um, and some of the rabbits uh, would be soft that we, you know, make clothing out of as well. So I, just, to, just to kind of put it in perspective, I don't want to get too technical because I'm not sure how much you want to know. But um, we, we actually, the fiber... Uh, when we harvest it, that's what we call when we clip it off of the animals, we harvest it and we can do measurements on it. And oh. the measurements are down to the micron. Now, a micron is one thousandth of a millimeter. So it's very small. And if we look at our human hair, most of our human hair starts at about 60 microns or more. Oh, wow. Whereas with the alpacas, we are talking about 15 to 23 microns. Oh, wow. So it's very fine. And yes. you guys... But it doesn't mean that it's weak. It's very sturdy. Okay. Um, you can... Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's a very fine and very soft fiber. Um, definitely. Is what, you, is what most of us breed for, yes. And you guys sell some clothing items there at your farm. Is that right? Right, yes. We, we did have a store uh, in downtown Versusburg, and we've moved it since to our farm it's in the guest house and we've changed some of the inventory over the years to you know to what people are more interested in buying so it it actually has two parts one part is uh i have an ashford dealership which is a spinning uh weaving company out of new zealand that i am a dealer for so i carry all of their products as well as a lot of yarns and what we call rovings which is kind of the pre-yarn um product and then the other part is obviously the finished product which is gloves hats scarves um some loungewear things like that so yeah very cool and so so that's that that's the you got store on your property along with the guest house Mm -hmm. and this is the thing i think is really good for you know uh us and our listeners is the opportunity to actually come and visit your farm so in 2015 you guys opened up this guest house and Mm -hmm. so you added a heritage garden uh honeybee avery And to uh, aviary, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, aviary. <laughs> I don't know how to say yeah. stuff, yep. but uh, <laughs> but yeah, so tell us about uh, what it would be these, like if we yeah, came to visit. So, so, we have a family of six. What what would you, uh, I guess, sell us, pitch it to us? 
why we should come visit. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, if I pitch my pitch for this is this is not a place to come and put your suitcase down and go do something else. This is a place where you come and you live the uh, lifestyle, so to speak. Destination. Uh, first off, I'll say that where we are, you you realize this now living in Waynesboro, Mercersburg area. This is a great location because we are literally sitting in the middle of a lot of different cities. Three hours, Pittsburgh, three hours, Philly, four hours, New York two hours D.C. and Baltimore, three hours Richmond. So I have a lot of families. Young families is really fun. They meet up. They know each other from college, whatever, high school. They have children now. They meet up for the weekends. They share the place, and they have a wonderful time just being together again. That's awesome. Um, so that's that's really, a, you know, one of my big target audiences is to get people to come out and just enjoy being out here on the farm. Anything else you learn above and beyond that is just, you know, icing on the cake. So alpacas are what we call an eco-friendly animal. Uh, in other words, for people that really enjoy environmental issues, that want to do things that are good for their environment, that are into natural fibers rather than synthetics, that are into, you know, giving back to the environment, alpacas are just a natural fit for that. And along with that comes what I call the heritage garden, where I plant um, old time seeds uh, to create the old time vegetables. So sometimes you get purple carrots. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, so some of the old time vegetables you'll find in the garden. And if they're growing, you're welcome to pick them and, and to learn a little bit about that. And then the apiary is just a small area that I have where I do raise the honeybees uh, that help with the pollination. Uh, and we just kind of learn that entire, you know, mix of how things are and, and try and get back to to how things were, you know, many years ago. So it's really that that audience that I try and target a little bit that okay. wants to just slow down a little bit, come out, enjoy, maybe learn a few things um, about the environment or where things come from or or maybe not. And and you in addition to that, you have full access to come up to our main part of our farm where we have all of the babies, the creos. Um, you're more than welcome to just go in there and sit and immerse yourself all day long. You're welcome to help if you want. I was going <laughs> to say that our, 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 our six-year-old would be like, can we feed them? Whatever you need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So you grab some hot chocolate on a day like this and go out and sit in the nice, beautiful sun, you know, and, uh, just enjoy being around the alpacas. And, uh, I will share with you as long as you want to listen I will tell you stories and tell you about alpacas. So, awesome. uh, it's so, it's a uh, it's a great way to spend a weekend. So you guys you guys offer uh, alpaca and farm tours. So even if we don't want to come out and stay at the, uh, you know we don't, we're not doing an overnighter. Oh, we want to stay. An I know, but I'm just saying if I was a, <laughs> if I was a visitor, I was passing through to go to Pittsburgh, uh, you know, from mm-hmm. D.C. This would be a great stop off mm-hmm. of doing a, a, a farm tour and you know, petting up alpaca with, for the kids and maybe feeding a bottle, um, those sure. type of things. Right. Uh, and then do you need we, an, do you need an appointment to do a farm tour? I mean, is that helpful or can you just so, stop by? So we've changed a lot over the years, how we would do it because I actually got to a point where I was doing more farm tours than I was actually taking care of the animals. <laughs> I had to make a few changes. So now we say to people, listen, if you're in the area, you're more than welcome to stop up 
anytime. We ask that you don't stop at the guest house because there might be people staying there, that instead you come all the way back to the main farm. We'll say hello to you. You're welcome to see the alpacas, um, all that sort of thing. Um, you know, and most of the time, you know, we have a few minutes. We can talk and chat and, and that sort of thing. Um, uh, I do occasionally do tours that are scheduled, um, you know, and I'll put that out there. You know, we'll have like a tour on such and such a day, or we're doing a Saturday morning on the farm. We do those as well, which is like three hours. You come out on a Saturday morning and you spend three hours from like nine to 12, just enjoying and touring and all that sort of stuff on the farm. So yeah, those are, that's how we do, do those types of events. Um, so, and, and uh, we don't charge for those events. You know, you're just welcome to come out whenever we, we end up doing them. So uh, for the, um, for the, uh, Saturday mornings on the farm, we do ask that you uh, email or pre-register just so we know how many people are coming out. Awesome. Uh, but otherwise, if you just want to stop by, you know, we just say regular hours um, is fine. You know, just yeah. daylight hours, obviously. So Yeah, yep. for sure. Very cool. It's been awesome and fascinating. And, and we're actually going to plan on coming out here in the next week or two. Uh, bring our kids very and, good. Yeah, we, and see we want to come see the alpacas. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, very good. So, listeners, uh, you know, make sure you you check out on social media, you're able to see those things and see the opportunity to experience that virtually, uh, and hopefully that really puts you over the top and gets you over to Long Acre Alpaca Farms to visit. Maybe um, we can entice some of your family to come visit us, and we'll take know, them to the right? alpaca Seriously, family. like that. I, I'm probably that's great. Do that. So, <laughs> um, so that's awesome. And then, uh, well. Before we we finish the the discussion here, uh, we want to talk to you about your personal traveling and experiences. Mm -hmm. So first off, what is your favorite place that you've traveled? That's easy. Uh, Egypt. Egypt. Oh, went to Egypt. Yes. Yes. Wow. So so what Uh, was that like? Did you see the mummified alpacas? No, because that's in South America. Did not see the mummified alpacas. (laughs) This was pre-alpacas, believe it or not. My stepdaughter lived in Egypt at the time, so it was a very interesting trip. And so she spoke Arabic, and she set everything up for us. So, of course, we went to the major city of Cairo and and toured that, and uh, that was absolutely beautiful. But the best part of the trip itself was the um, uh, we took a boat up the Nile. Oh, that's cool. And I don't remember how many days it was, but... (laughs) I, 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 you can't even begin to believe how amazing that trip was and stopping along the way, looking at all the tombs and, um, and, and a lot of the people live along the river as they did in ancient times. So it's such a diverse, um, country and that the, and the levels of living and, and how people, you know, do live. And then we ended up, uh, at Sinai. And we stayed there in the desert for a while. So, oh, cool. again, it was just absolutely magical, magical that, trip. That's um, awesome. That's awesome. Had, that was an easy one. Yeah, that was an easy one. That was fun. So, so our next question is, yep. have you ever had an epic fail while you traveled? What is your biggest travel fail? <laughs> you know, I can't say that we did because, you know, anytime you're traveling, you know, you still can kind of make the best of it. I mean, you know, delayed flights and all that sort of thing. That happens. That's to be expected. Right. Um, I mean, we've had, we've certainly had crazy things happen, but when you're on holiday, it's, you know, you just kind of laugh and go along with it. I guess we had one time we went out West and we were in Wyoming and it seemed like anything that could have gone wrong went wrong, but it was, 
you know, you're you're in a different place entirely, and you just yeah. absolutely enjoy it. I mean, um, you know, it just. Well, that's one of the we, things that you know. That's I can't th- really say we've ever had any epic fails. I everything turned into a positive yeah. uh, in that respect. So, uh, yeah. When, uh, and that's one of the things when you're when you're traveling, it's great. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the things that we always talk about, uh, especially myself. I've traveled a lot as a single single guy uh, and had many mm-hmm. fails, but it didn't ruin the experience. It actually enhanced it a lot of places and. It I does. Mean, it being does. In the middle it's of the, all in how you approach it. So, yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. being in the middle of the Utah desert, uh, 75 miles from the nearest town with two flat tires mm-hmm. isn't ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I didn't mm-hmm. stumble across somebody to help me out, uh, maybe it wouldn't have been yeah. as good. But, uh, uh, yeah, but it, it was it was one of those things where like, oh, that was a really fun time. Like that was crazy, and uh, you know, experiences get to share with the kids. They love to hear, so that's awesome. So then, finally, uh, bucket list items. So where is some place or something you've wanted to do that you haven't done yet, but it's on your list to do, and you want to get it done? Well, that's easy too because we started to go one time, we had to cancel it, and we've never gotten the chance to go back. And I still want to is Peru. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of friends that have been to Peru and they do tours all the time and we just, you know, we never seem to get it together to get there, but, uh, that, that's an easy one. Yeah. I mean, taking alpaca. So much to see in Peru. Taking yeah. alpaca up there with you to Machu Picchu. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So one of these days we'll make it down there. So, yep. That's that, an easy one. That is awesome. Well, Hey, thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming on, Sarah. We appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with us and tell and, us about your alpacas and yeah i'm excited to come out and experience uh, the farm life and see what you guys have to mm-hmm. offer and and share with our, our listeners you know what you guys do and and if they're in the you know south central part of pa uh, that they should make this uh, one of their stops absolutely thank you again sarah thank you for having me i enjoyed it i am gone tripping we were able to go visit the Long Acre Alpaca Farms this past weekend with the kids. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it was kind of fun seeing all the different levels of engagement by the kids. Some were afraid to touch them, but were wanting to chase, chase after them and play tag with them. And they played. It was kind of fun. Yeah, the alpacas <laughs> played back. That was fun. Yeah. and um, But yeah, and then we saw some uh, Angora bunnies, a couple Angora bunnies. Which Those. were crazy. If you follow us on Instagram, <laughs> you saw one of the pictures. They're just giant balls of fluff. Yeah, giant balls of fluff. And uh, those are pretty cool. But we spent a couple hours out there and uh, nice, sunny, cold Saturday morning. It was cold. In fact, it was so cold that when we drove up, we saw a bunch of alpacas as you drive up. Because like Sarah said, it's a a really long road to get to their farm and so as we're driving up to the farm we see alpacas <laughs> here and we see alpacas there and we were looking at alpaca particularly one in the far distance and we couldn't tell if it was an alpaca or what it was because it actually had a red white and blue sweater on it because it was so cold <laughs> <laughs> she said it was one of her skinnier ones so they uh they were put they put a coat on her there's a couple yeah. of them like the younger ones had coats and yeah some of the babies a, experience taking one of those off i did i get to i got to dress and undress an alpaca in its in its jacket it was it was pretty fun it was kind of lazy and wouldn't stand up for me so i had to (laughs) help pick it up and that was definitely 
definitely fun. Yeah, no, a really interesting area. Uh, we, you know, talking with Sarah, she's able to give us a little bit of history of the area. Uh, parts of the Underground Railroad took place through that area. Um, yeah, it was really neat. Yeah, and so uh, there's actually a little tiny town, she said, that uh, is right there in the hills called Africa. And uh, well, she said it's gone now, but it still pops up when you yeah, order stuff online. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, but she said that uh, there's a, a hill in the distance and they would put a, a light on the hill that would show that it was safe to uh, bring uh, the slaves to safety. And uh, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff uh, that uh, we'll find as we go back out there because uh, there's lots of history you can learn about there. Yeah, and we'll definitely be back to visit the alpaca farm. It was awesome. The yeah. guest house we wanted to check out, but it was occupied while we were there. But it's gorgeous out there. Beautiful land. And we've got tons of pictures and things on our Instagram and on our website. So be sure to check those out. And the link for the Airbnb, through Airbnb, you can uh, rent that. Yes, you house. can stay at the guest house too. And yeah. we highly recommend it. It's a great place to come and just hang out for a weekend. So one of the things that uh, we'll give you as a trip tip today, it might seem like common sense, but often um, it's not so common. We're getting ready to leave, get in the car, and our eight-year-old is always like wanting to take her coat off because she's always hot. And uh, she said, can I wear a light jacket? And we looked outside and it was sunny and nice. And we said, sure. And the forecast was supposed to be a little bit warmer <laughs> than when it had been. And it yeah. lied. <laughs> yeah. So we got out there and it, it was warm. It wasn't so bad when we got out to our car. But when we got out to the farm, it was windy and cold. And uh, luckily we had some blankets in the car and that kind of stuff to help us out. But uh, And that she be- chased a bunch of, of alpacas around. And so yeah. she warmed up and she was fine. But definitely... Always, always carry a blanket in your car. And that would be the tip is to always have a blanket, uh, extra blanket in your car. Uh, you can put it under a seat or something. Um, well, I feel like on any road trips, it's always great to have extra layers just yes, in case, exactly. especially for like those spring months, the fall months is like your weather's kind of unpredictable and things. The weather cools down a lot. And one of the things like, especially where I'm from growing up in the desert, people always forget that it gets cold in the desert. Like yeah. if you're camping in the actual desert and there's no pavement or anything that collected that heat and reflects it, like it's cold out there. And so people get stuck in a lot of situations where they wish they had an extra layer. And it's not Alaska cold. It's it's the, you know, it's 90 degrees and then all of a sudden it drops down to 50. And, and it's, that it's just not what you change. were expecting. What exactly. we've talked about with, you know, expectations and trying to meet those and yeah, the weather, the weather is unpredictable. Yeah. So trip tip, always bring extra layers, uh, carry an extra blanket in your vehicle. Um, and, and I will tell you that because I am such a light packer, I say bring one Yeah, <laughs> per person. <laughs> exactly. One per person. <laughs> All the kids were awesome and really enjoyed that trip. So we'd like to thank Sarah for coming on the show, for letting us come out and see her farm and see her alpacas. And for more information, be sure to check out our website to find out how you can stay at Long Acre Alpaca Farms as well. Don't forget to visit the website for show notes at gontrippinpodcast.com and tag us with your favorite travel and adventure pictures on Instagram using the hashtag gontrippin or at gontrippinpodcast. Subscribe on any of your favorite podcast listening apps and make every trip an adventure. Gontrippin' my wagoneer and I Gontrippin' reading the road signs Gontrippin' one playlist at a time Gontrippin' odometers ticking My Mountain Dew and a Red Bull sippin' I'm a road warrior on a mission You won't find me just sitting home wishing. 
because I am gone tripping.